Let's get going. There we are, Ruthann. I'll wait for you. Because <laughs> we're just heaving. Okay. So today is the first time that we are going to be tandeming, or whatever the word is, with the kids downstairs. So what they're learning downstairs, we're learning up here. Kind of different, but the same. So in Luke 15, we find three lost and found stories. The story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, which technically is actually the story of two lost sons. Just the second one doesn't know it. I'm going to start. We're going to be focusing on the middle one, the story of the 10 silver coins. Now, this we need to know about this chapter, those three stories are not separate stories. Even though we're taking the, the middle one as a separate story, they are not. They are one parable that has three parts. And they should be read together, though we're not going to do that, but I have to mention parts of it because each one is building up to something. So I'm going to start off. Luke 15, 8 to 10. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Listen to the sound of this from God's words translation. I was looking up all these different translations to kind of get a different feel. So I can guarantee that God's angels are happy about one person who turns to God and changes the way he thinks and acts. Hold on to that. That's kind of a different way of saying we get used to hear the sound of God. You know, everybody's rejoicing over one sinner that repents and we aren't necessarily we're so used to that word that we're it we're not actually we don't actually understand what it means but that sound of something somebody changing the way they think and act okay so i was then searching the internet as i do for different stories about lost and found stories and i came across one but it wasn't that that kind of got got my, caught my eye it was people were responding and it was one of the responses that came because I'm always like eh, I don't know if this is real or not but down the line right at the bottom this man responded and I thought this was quite cool because it's relevant for today and so he was telling his story he said in the 1960s he had, be, had been sent to uh, somebody's house to dig up a trench they were putting in water and this house belonged to a little old lady. So he said as he was beginning to dig, he said the, I mean, he, he said the soil was absolutely fantastic. He said within about two shovel loads of dirt, 
he noticed something shiny. So he picked it up, and there was a ring with like stones set in it. It looked like an engagement ring. So he took a look at it, he said, and he put it in his pocket. Kept shoveling, and with another couple of uh, shovels, there was a wedding ring. So he picked it up, looked at it, put it in his pocket. Now it was a cold day, and the lady of the house, must have been in England, because only English do this, she brings out a cup of tea for him and gives it to him. And he says to her, he said, uh, is there anything that you've ever lost here? And, and she goes, well, no, not really. He says, how long have you lived here? He says, she said, I've lived here all my life. Um, and she said, my mother lived here before. And then he says, are you sure you haven't lost? And she goes, well, yes, actually, I did. She said, in the Second World War, she said, within a couple of weeks of my um, getting married, she said, I actually lost my engagement ring and my wedding ring, gone. And she said, I was so scared to tell my husband that she said, I went out and bought these fake things. And she said, and I wore them all my life, all my life, and my husband never knew. And he, so he said, he reached into his pocket and he said, were these, are these yours? And they were, pretty cool. Now, who doesn't like a lost and found uh, story? I actually have my own, which I think is quite incredible. When I was living in Nepal, so I'm a little, little tot, we lived communally. So my parents were part of OM. We lived with all sorts of different people from all over the world, different nationalities, the whole lot. Um, and we lived in this massive, massive big house. In fact, we lived in several and kept getting shoved around. Anyway, people would come and go. They'd do the short trips. Um, and we had this American lady that came. She'd only been with us for a couple of days. And the front of this compound thing was like a big circle, and it was grass in the middle, and you could drive around the big trucks. Well, she had a bicycle. She was biking around. There was a bug that hit her on the face. But as she did this, she knocked out a contact lens. Contact lens. And in those days, contact lenses were hard hard. She's in Nepal. Eh, you're not going to get a replacement at all. She needs that contact lens. So the entire house came out, all sorts of different families, and they are on their hands and knees looking through blades of grass. Hours go by, and slowly, 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 people give up, and they leave and they leave until there's one left, my mom. And she eventually gives up. No, she doesn't. She kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, blade by blade by blade, until she moved one blade, and there on the ground was her contact lens. You better believe everybody that had taken off were back outside and everybody was high-fiving, they were hugging each other, the whole lot. Two lost and found stories. Different, but kind of say something. So a parable, before we get into this, what are parables? Parables are stories. They are not true as in fact as my 
contact lens story or the man finding the wedding ring. But it doesn't mean that they're not truth. And they're always telling something. I'm kind of, am I echoing? Kind of putting me off. Okay. That's fine. So, context. As I said, this is one parable. And it's like Jesus is coming in at one level, then he moves to the next level, and then he moves to the next level. The final bit about the lost son is the boom, the punchline. So, context. We're starting off. These, this parable comes from a, um, the context as a response to the Pharisees and the scribes who are criticizing him. Okay, let me just read it. Now the tax collectors and, uh, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Okay, so that is the context. So what's the issue? Why are, they, why are they criticizing Jesus? Two things. It's who Jesus is with and what he's doing. What he's doing is eating. Now, eating in Jesus' day is not eating. It is a totally sacred thing. Every time you eat, there's massive symbolism. You never just eat with somebody. Whoever you're eating with says something. And in Jesus' day, the big sound of eating was it held symbolism that connected to this future hope that one day there would be a huge banquet when God would set everything right and he would gather in all the right people, all the right people. The Jews would know that. They would talk about it. They would put that into their children. They would learn that in kids' church. That one day you're going to be part of this incredible banquet table. And that theme is all over the New Testament. Now, I said all the right people. You see, these people that Jesus is eating with, they're not the right people. They are them and those those people, them people. We know that sound now. Okay, no different. We use that kind of language. These are those and these are them and they are not us. And even if they could be us, they had to go through a whole thing at the temple. And here Jesus is associating with them and those and he's saying something and they don't like it. See, the implications of what Jesus is doing is big. In this parable, he's telling everybody that has ears to hear, and it is at, directed at the Pharisees and, the, and the, um, the scribes, these are the religious people. He's telling them, if you want to know about God, listen up. If you want to know what God's doing, listen up. So let's take a little look at this this parable with the coins, because it's something that we think we really, really know, um, and maybe we don't. So we have a woman with 10 coins. What's their significance? How many of us have heard the sound of, you know, this is this poor lady, and she's sweeping, and we see this picture, and she's all dressed in gray, and she's just sweeping like this? And we, you know, her money, she's got 10 coins, and that's probably for her groceries and everything in it. That's not necessarily the picture here. And the picture of this woman isn't a woman that's even necessarily poor. 
what she's lost isn't part of her grocery bills for that week or even her household bills or anything like that. It's actually more like a wedding ring with the same kind of implications as Our Lady uh, in the 1960s who lost her ring and couldn't tell her husband. But losing one of these coins has huge, huge significance. See, in Jesus' day, people didn't have wedding rings. Women didn't wear wedding rings. Men didn't wear wedding rings. What a woman wore was like a head shawl or a piece of jewelry with coins on. And they would have at least 10 coins, at least Okay, and they, would, and they would wear them all the time. It was reckoned that they even slept in them. Now, this wasn't a gift given to the bride. Like a man gives the ring to his uh, betrothed. It's not that. These coins are the stuff that she brings into the marriage. It's her dowry. And it's really big. So that has been collected maybe over all her lifetime and given to her by her father or she's accumulated. So in a world with no bank accounts, you put your money into jewelry just as you do in India and other places. They wear their money in jewelry. It's the only thing that if her husband was to divorce her, that she could say was hers. She could keep that. In a world where she belongs to her husband, where her children belong to her husband, where every possession belongs to her husband, this is the only thing that if, that he, if he divorces her, she takes with her. And you have to bear in mind Women do not divorce men. They can't do that. Only a man can initiate. Now, although that is hers, woe betide the woman that takes a coin and cashes it in without asking her husband or getting her husband's approval. Losing one of these coins has all the potential for her husband to divorce her. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Because if one of those coins is gone and she hasn't got his approval, then he will instantly suspect she's up to no good. We, we don't kind of get that. But this is this context. So the parable is not true fact, but there isn't a woman there that's listening or even a man that knows it's really, really possible. So it has a lot of emotion to it. In a shame on a culture, a losing of a coin would bring shame to her, would bring shame to her husband, which is huge, which is enough to initiate a divorce. And it happened just like that. This woman is searching all over the place for this coin because it is her right to live in that home. It is her right for shelter. It is her right to her children. 
and it is her right to be the wife of the husband. And everyone knows that are listening. In homes with no windows, with straw kind of woven stuff on the floor, this woman is searching for the contact lens in the blade of grass. They know it. Now think about who's listening. We've got disciples, they're always there. We've got men, and we've got the Pharisees and the scribes, religious men. In a man's world, because that world was always a man's world, the entire Bible is basically set in a man's world, the fact that Jesus even enters the woman's world and tells a story that is all about women is quite incredible. And there's some other things that are quite incredible about this because he does some things wrong that he should have done. In the original Greek, when it talks about that the woman went off to her neighbors and told them and you've got this kind of celebration, those neighbors are female. The language is female. It is not general, like we would think. Go to the neighbors, hey, 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 I found my wedding ring. You know, it's all good. It is female only, which makes sense. You're that woman. I'm talking to the women because we're predominantly women today, and we get it. You've lost something that your whole livelihood bases on. It makes sense. You live in, in small communities. You live like I lived as a child, probably with lots of families that we were connected, okay? You go as a woman to other women and you confide. I've lost a coin. I've lost a coin. And it makes sense that those women, knowing how much is online, come out and they help. They help. But over time, when you can't find that coin, you slowly go back, go back to your place, just like my story, because you've got to give up and you've got to go back uh, to your own household and you really don't want to be telling anybody you lost a coin. If you're going to tell women, she's not going to tell men and she's not going to tell her husband at all. This is the kind of story that if you've got women listening, you know they're doing this. Just make sure, I'll make sure the hair's in place. I'm just counting the, counting them. You know, it's this kind of thing. Because she knows, and every other woman knows. And so you hear this story, and I can kind of see the women wanting to boom, high five. You know, she's found it, but. All the implications of what that could mean if she had lost it. And so there's this triumph, but there's also kind of a shock. Because the reality is, Jesus does not chastise the woman in this story. There is no chastising. In fact, that's a problem with this entire parable. There is no chastising. The lost sheep doesn't get chastised because it got lost. And the sound of that lost sheep in the original Greek language is a vulnerable, it's a little one. It's not a little one as in child, but somebody's vulnerable. And the picture is, unfortunately, of the flock 
kind of pushing out that little one, which you would then chastise that, that sheep, representing someone. Context, those, them, people. Chastise. We move into the women's world. And the woman does something that is irresponsible or going as far as would end her up in nothing. She should be at least chastised. And every man knows that. The scribes know that. The women know that. But it doesn't. Instead, after each one, with the coins, Jesus says, see that joy? See that joy? That's the same joy heaven experiences when one of them people turn around. That's the joy heaven experiences in inviting them people to God's table. By the time Jesus gets to the story of the lost son, and again, no chastising. See, people know their stories. They would know the gist of it. You know, the son goes away, takes the inheritance, and, you know, he, he does his stuff, and he comes back, and the father should chastise him so you're never coming back, and all of this sort of stuff, and he doesn't. That's the kind of story where you go, yeah, the kids are like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tell our, chil- our grandchildren a story and woe betide if I change it. And they know what's coming next and they want to tell you what's coming next. And this is the kind of story like this. We know how it should end, yet it doesn't. And by the time Jesus gets to the lost son, those Pharisees and scribes, There was no shadow of a doubt that Jesus was putting them in the shoes of the older son that totally didn't get what God was doing, totally didn't get what the father was doing. In other words, he was saying, you don't know your father. And these parables are so explosive. I like to, you know... Imagine these, you know, people hearing and the scribes getting more and more angry and with this kind of final punchline, again, celebration, no chastising, you're getting the sound of the son that doesn't know the father. And it's like Jesus with that drops the mic. You know, it's that kind of thing. You want to know what God is like? Well, God particularly likes all the wrong people. He particularly likes them. Like the lost ring and the lost contact lens. The parable of the lost and found coin is about value. It's all about value. What something or someone is worth is completely dependent on whom you are asking. Completely dependent. A lost wedding ring today has great sentiment. Generally, you would hope it doesn't get somebody into real trouble for losing it. Um, 
it's sentimental. There's sentiment and it does mean commitment. But you generally are not going to lose your life. But it was important to that lady. Even if it hadn't been worth anything, the value is totally dependent on the person that it belongs to. The contact lens, the value in Nepal was astronomical. I'll say that again, the parable of the lost and found coin is all about value. What something or someone is worth is completely dependent on whom you are asking. So quite simply, what does that mean for you this week? What does that mean for us? As we continue our journey, as we move on as a church, the parable of the lost and found coin is all about value. What something or someone is worth is completely dependent on whom you are asking. You're going to do things in life that you've got to know are worth doing. You've got to know it. You've got to know it even when nobody else knows it. And even when other people are telling you it's not worth it. The parable of the lost and found coin, saying it one more time, is all about value. What something or someone's worth is completely dependent on whom you are asking. Them, those people, which are sometimes us, are worth everything to God. Everything. Enough to upset the social standards of the day and the religious standards. And if you've got ears, like Jesus would say, to hear, then hear. Eyes to see, see. See what God wants for you to hear in this this week. Amen. If you want, you might as well grab another cup of tea or whatever. We've got tons of water and coffee in there. Might as well empty it.